0: Hey, welcome back to the latest episode of the United Podcast, your latest edition from the top of the table. Um, It's seemingly what we do these days. We have podcasts as league leaders, and Larry has returned to the podcast um, after a couple of weeks' absence. Um, How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, mate, I'm doing well. Uh, And like you say, when you're top of the table, things always looking pretty when you're looking down. But I hate to say it, Tom, for this one time only, I'm not the most important person on this podcast today.
0: Well it is good to have you back but in all honesty um, everyone has seen the title and really have no interest in listening to you so we will cross to the reason this podcast um, is so special and it's an honour to have this guy on and I suppose it's in regards to a podcast in Manchester United, I'd say it's almost Manchester United podcast royalty, um, obviously everyone does enjoy this podcast but if there is a better podcast it is the Man United podcast there hasn't been a bad episode yet and obviously the star of the show Mr David May, how are you
2: mate? I'm all right, mate. Good. Yeah, well, Hanging we're, in
0: there. Yeah, well, that's just the thing. We're just talking about the different. We have it quite lucky here in Sydney in regards to the COVID restrictions, but we follow everything that's happening back in Manchester. And um, it's a tricky situation you find yourselves in. Um, how's everyone, family, holding up? And
2: yeah, yeah, family's well. Just, um, just in lockdown as, as we have been for the last, God knows how long. Yeah, well, just, um, it's coming on to about a year now. to get on top of it. Yeah, you all, well,
0: mate? Yeah, yeah, all good. The re- restrictions here are pretty good. Um, we're allowed to do everything. Um, it's unfortunately, you just have to do everything with a mask these days and um, wash your hands every yeah. seven seconds. But Other than that, um, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of, usually <laughs> we do like a review podcast and everything, but... Um, I think it's almost a straightforward win against Fulham. It was straightforward, not too much to talk about. It was, very, it was a very exciting game. Mm. But we'll then um, talk about a few things in regards to the support of Man United, the job Solskjaer is doing, etc. So just a few yeah. things on um, the Fulham game. We'll skip over a little bit. It was a unique situation where the day started with Leicester at the top of the table. Suddenly City were top of the table, so and then United finished the night on top of the table. So just... What comes with the United sort of away game at the moment, we go down early, it seemingly it's what sort of happens. We concede an early goal. So what you're thinking when obviously Lookman scored early goal for Fulham?
2: Well I think um because I th- because it was an early goal and a really early goal. Um I think Holly mentioned it. You know, we weren't at the races for the first five or ten minutes and and we got caught napping really. Um but I think with this team and with this squad over the last 12 months, ollie has got to believe in that even if we do go down 1-0, there's always hope, there's always a chance he will get back to winning, winning the game and invariably, we've done that. The team have um, performed really well. Uh, Cavani has been a sensation, really, since he's come in. Um, he's hungry. He wants to win and his goal is just a typical centre-forward's goal. Whether Marcus or whether and um, Martial would have scored that type of goal. I'm not sure. They're not that type of player. But Cavani in the box comes alive. He's a different class. And uh, it was great for him to get that goal. And then Pogba to, to seal it with a, a fantastic strike from the edge of the box was um, was brilliant. And he's in, he's in top form as well. So, overall, decent result. And uh, as you say, top of the league.
0: It was a cracking goal. I'll go to you, Larry, on the Pogba goal. Obviously, it's a fantastic strike, left foot curled it in from outside the box, but the touch from Pogba—if you see where the guy clears the ball from the left back for Fulham—he smashes the ball up to halfway, like almost trying to get to halfway, and the wind just completely takes it and brings it back. So that touch from Paul Pogba to bring it down—I um, think people should go back and look at it. it was quite underrated, I think.
1: Absolutely, uh, Paul Pogba is one of those players where he's known as a uh, highlights. He's known for his highlight reel, um, but what you're saying spot on, if the touch isn't on point, Berbatov-esque, I dare to say, if that's not there, he doesn't get that wonderful shot off. And I'd be keen to ask David, and, and the, you know, we, we have the speculation around Paul Pogba, around whether his future is at United. You know, I'm sure we'd all love him to stay, but do you think that, you know, since Rayola's comments, is it a fair statement to say, since all the spotlight's gone on Bruno, Paul Pogba's almost put his hand up and taken the pressure off in that respect. And, allowed himself to be counted and show the world-class player that he can be and is? Um, Possibly, yeah.
2: I mean, Paul's a wonderful footballer. I mean, we all know how good he can be. I think it's just the inconsistency over the the last two or three years and the speculation is always out there, whether he wants to stay at the club, whether he wants to leave the club. But that only comes from his agent. Um Paul himself says he wants to stay at the club, he loves the club, he's come back to the club from, from Juventus. Um but as long as he's doing things what he's doing on the pitch is is what he produces last night at Burnley as well, particularly in the second half. If he keeps producing those performances, you know, why would you want to leave? You know, he's at the biggest club in the world, got the best fans in the world. Um it's certainly going in the right direction as well. So why would you want to leave? You know, Barcelona can not afford him at the moment. Real Madrid, they're in transition as well. So why would you want to leave?
0: No, exactly. I have no idea. I always have that feeling. Look, we say that as fans. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. Now, we usually wrap up each sort of post-match pod in regards to review of the game. of a. We have a 3-2-1 system where we award points every week and have a player of the year at the at the end of the season. So we do 3-2-1s. Yeah. And as, obviously, the special guest will give you the honour of handing out the three points david who was your
2: man of the match last night uh i would have to i think luke shaw's been exceptional um but i think paul with a goal when we needed it um i'd give it to paul but luke shaw's pushing them all away
0: well would we'll definitely give it to Paul. i think Pogba i think it's one of those ones that i think the goal does stand out but um i'll give you the two points larry um I don't know if you know David. Larry isn't. Well, actually, I'd say Larry's probably he's a big fan of Luke Shaw. Is that correct, Larry?
1: I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm not a big fan of him. I think he's capable, but I just don't see enough from him. But what I will say is, particularly over the last few weeks, he's getting past the byline, and and that's all I've really wanted. Just I almost felt at times he doesn't bust his lung to get to that final ball. But I've seen a change in attitude, and I have to say, I thought he was fantastic, and he backed up his performance against Liverpool today. So. It would be right to give Luke Shaw two points. I thought he he occupied that left hand flank defensively and offensively brilliantly.
2: Yeah, uh, Larry, do you
1: think the um, do you think Tellers coming in has pushed him on as well? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one hundred percent. And you know, you'd know it. Um, you know, you're a professional. You're a professional footballer with some of arguably the best players United's ever seen. I'd imagine and I I have it when I play Sunday football, if you have a player that you can compete with, it just keeps you on your toes. You want to play football. You know, with all due respect to Brendan Williams, I think he's he definitely and we saw that with Luke Shaw last. Consistency, Brendan Williams came in for a little bit and then Shaw came back up. I just maybe he's that sort of player who he just needs that bit of competition. So I think that's an excellent point. Tellers has obviously pushed him on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well Tellers is one of the players I always want to see, but I want to see it's it's hard to find where to get him into the team because every game now is so important, and Luke Shaw just does not deserve to be dropped. Every game is almost a must-win game, and Luke Shaw has proven to be one of our most important players. So, I think long may it continue. But I think you're right in terms of the, the competition. Telez has brought has been invaluable, and I think is a sort of a really smart signing by Solskjaer because I think when the left back was linked, you think, oh, do we really need a left back? But you see yeah. what it has done to Luke Shaw, and um, it's fantastic. It will be interesting if that happens on the right hand side. With Juan Basak over the next year or two, but um, obviously Pogba for three points, Luke Shaw for two, and I think obviously the important goal. But I just think the mentality he brings. I think Cavani, I think he was very good. He just, I like Rashford, I like Martial, but when Cavani plays at number nine, it's just it's yeah. just a, a striker at number nine. It's just something feels a little bit different. But um, Absolutely. we'll go um, on to Larry now. But the three two ones were well,
1: obviously Pogba, Shaw, and Cavani. Yeah. So this is almost part two of this podcast. Over to David May, who is the star today. David, I guess what I want to ask you, you are obviously, you play a major piece on the Manchester United official podcast. Um, You've been a mainstay of MUTV now. I guess I want to ask you...
2: Larry, you're breaking up. Was, Was that the best guest we've had on the podcast?
1: Yeah, I think Larry's breaking up a little
0: bit. But yeah, in terms of, who's the guest you had who... You sort of went into the room thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure how this podcast is going to go." Like you didn't know too much about them or their character, but after the conversation, you really sort of sat there and said, geez, that was a good podcast. I wasn't expecting that.
2: Uh, maybe not into the room, but the podcast we did with uh, was um, Igalo. Yeah, uh, olden Igalo, what a what a phenomenal guy, and what what a player, and what what a guy to come into the club. When you when you've listened to that podcast, how much he actually loves Manchester United. Um and, and the journey he went to actually fulfil his dream of playing for Manchester United. Um but do you know what? To to pick out one it'd be it'd be tough on the others. I thought Mickey Thomas was sensational. Um Brian Robson from his days. There's so many. There is so many. Patrice Everett, you know, being homeless, living on the streets, uh, begging uh, back in Paris. There's so many. There is so many. And I've enjoyed every single one of them. Um, It's so tough. Odin Patrice, um, Mickey Thomas, Robo. Albert Morgan, the kit, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Got to got stick Albert in there as well. You know, the, the shitty story about the ceiling coming down on him. Um, oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> so many. A yeah, so much, so much fun doing.
0: I think that one, I think it might have been the first one, maybe the first or second one, but the one that really dis, um, sticks out for me, that Brian Robson one, the one I lo- thing about, I love about that, obviously I saw the video version as well, and it was a tour of yeah. the old training around the cliff. That's and I, I thought... If anyone can go back and watch that on Mutv, that was um, that was special viewing. That had that was I thought it was fantastic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Even uh, Lou McCary as well. That had you know, tears. You know, his story almost. about. Oh, I didn't. I didn't do that episode. It was Helen and Sam, but mm. um, The emotion you get, and you do get it. You know, when you're in that room, um, it does become so emotional. And at times, you know, you do fill up. But it's uh because you I think you just get the, the raw emotion of that of what that player's gone through throughout his you know, Mickey with his cancer, mm. um Lou with his son dying committing suicide. You know, you don't everybody looks at footballers and think everything's rosy. But, you know, deep down um it can be totally, totally the opposite. We did Danny Simpson this week, um, which is a, another one. That's not, it's not out yet, but
0: hmm.
2: um, that is, in itself is another fantastic podcast we've done.
1: David, you touch on the emotions of players um, and the difficult times that they do go through in their both professional and personal careers. One topic that does sort of impact on that is fan criticism and That's almost what's gotten you in touch with us. And I almost want to ask your opinion on that. Obviously, we've seen the growth of social media and we've seen Ferguson famously say back in the days, you know, stay away from the paper. But with social media these days, the players obviously seeing everything online. And what do you make of social media, YouTube, and these fans with large platforms potentially filtering, you know, almost a toxic, a toxicity in the fan base?
2: I think certain certain websites and certain YouTube channels are good. But I think when you look at some of them, we all know which one we're talking about. Um, for me, it's all about clickbaits and you've got young fans coming into, into the scene of supporting Manchester United. And when you look at some of the media outlets out there and some of the, as we say, YouTube channels... Um, for me, it's wrong to to, to to say some of the stuff that they actually do say on it. You know, hate is a big word. Um, and it's all about my club and this club and that club and all that. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, do you know what? Criticise the players in a constructive way. But to turn around and say that you hate somebody, um, is totally wrong. You know, you can disagree with people, you can have arguments with people. But look, we're in a we're in a certain time of our lives here where everyone's everyone's in a bad way, you know? And and for these channels to come out and say what they say and do what they do and um, and and they have big platforms, they do have big platforms. But are they doing it for the good of the club? No. They're doing it solely for themselves, but they have clickbaits. And going back to what Ferguson said years ago, if you can't you know, support us when we're poor, don't support us when we're good. You know, this Man- Manchester United over the years, even before me, the fans have been, the fans are the best fans in the world. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an ex-player and, and you know, I'm not after plaudits. I know that Manchester United fans are the best in the world. They travel everywhere. Hardcore fans, and they know that they know the truth. And the youngsters who are coming into it see all that, and they get on the bandwagon because uh, they want to be.
0: I think that's what worries. Want to be on social media, uh, and that's that's the thing. It just does my head in. Well, completely agree. And that's the thing that concerns me is they have such a big platform, and we like it or not, we dislike it here. But like it or not. They are so influential. So those new fans coming through, the 6, 7, yeah. up to 15, 16-year-olds, they're so impressionable by these people, and they cling to every single word they say. So whatever they say, they believe. It's only natural. I'm not going to criticise a young fan, because that's the face they see. It's, it's all they, they live and breathe. So whether we call it a toxic sort of atmosphere, which I agree that it is, they're bringing up, that's going to be their norm. So immediately after a loss, okay, sack the manager, sack this player, got to buy that player, got to sell that player. And it's just, I don't know where, I, I think I think in society, I think we're getting becoming less and less patient in, sort of in general. Absolutely, but absolutely. I don't want that to happen to Manchester United fans and I'm just sitting here thinking it's inevitable, it's going to happen. And I, I just, I don't know what the answer is because it is the way of the world. And I remember when you were in... Um, you're over here in Sydney a couple of years ago. We had a meeting at the pub with our supporters club. And we asked about that. We asked sort of, how did you deal with criticism? And I remember you saying, you went into Ferguson's office. You're struggling a little bit. I think you're playing right back. And yeah. Ferguson said, just don't buy the paper. So it was almost an easy fix. I mean, now we live in a completely different world. It's not on paper. A player lives on their phone. And it's not a criticism. Everyone lives and breathes on their phone. You can't escape the criticism and it's no. beyond it's now unfortunately has gone beyond criticism and unfortunately is abuse and just your thoughts on we sit here as fans and supporters whether you want to differentiate what a supporter is and what a fan is but you go back to mentioning sort of those youtube channels and at the end of the day if we are supporters okay criticism that's fine but the abuse is not going to help a player achieve 3 points on the on a saturday
2: no it doesn't it doesn't and you know <laughs> When, we, when, I, when I did, or when we did Mickey Thomas' um, podcast, Mickey said something that I thought about, but I, don't, I, I didn't really take much notice about it. But he said about criticising players and, um, you know, once that front door closes, you don't know what's going on in the background of that player. Mickey, Mickey found it really difficult uh, at times to play for Manchester United because of the pressures. Well, if you... All right. Mickey was brilliant at United and, you know, he overcome those pressures to to perform, you know, great games and, and, and play for the club. But when you've got somebody or some people who are constantly having a go at you, that that's detrimental not just to you, but to the club and to the team. Mm. And these people don't get it. They haven't got a clue. They want to get Pochettino in, they want to get um, Mourinho in, Van Gaal in. And when Ollie came in, yeah, he didn't have the best record uh, at Cardiff. But do you know what? He came in and he loves the club. He absolutely breathes the club. And and you've got to give that lad a chance, an opportunity and had it have been for all the, you know, the, the the websites out there, the YouTube channels, Ollie wouldn't have stood a chance. Hmm. But the club has stood by him. The real fans, and I mean real fans, have stood by him. Not these so-called, um, you know, specialist
0: yeah.
2: uh, no. YouTubers and all that. They're all there for clickbait. They're all there to, to have their own little platform now, when you, when you listen to them, they haven't got a clue what they're on about.
0: How do you find that so, as a, someone who's played the elite level one at all with Manchester United, that top, top bracket, have seen someone, and obviously all fans are entitled to opinion, I'm entitled to opinion, Larry's entitled to opinion, and we've never, we can't dream to reach the level you did. But how do you see, as someone who competed at level, seen someone who hasn't, just talk absolute nonsense? Like, how does it make you feel like there must be a huge sense of frustration?
2: if they actually sat back and listened to what they were saying, they'd probably agree to themselves that they're talking a lot of crap. You know?
0: Hmm.
2: Sometimes Ollie gets mistakes. You know, he makes mistakes. Of course he does. Every player makes mistakes. Every manager makes mistakes. But managers and players don't do that on purpose. Yes, sometimes you can criticise the way Oli set teams up. Sometimes you can, because it criticises his his team selection. But that's only my opinion. That's only your opinion. But to vent anger against him because he's done that is like are you real? Does it does it really, really affect you that much that you have to come out and say, I hate the guy? Yeah. That's 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 strong. And if you, you if know, you, if like, those people say, saw
0: him in the street, if those people saw him in the street, they'll be the first to go up and ask for a photo oh, or an autograph. Of course they would. And- Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely would,
0: but just on Solshire, I think we'll just because we obviously we're top of the table. We want to we want to have a positive podcast. We want to talk about those idiots. Yeah, so. hey, hey,
2: but there you go. We are top of the league. Yeah, that's and the Still criticised,
0: and just on Solskjaer, <laughs> because it's an amazing job what he's doing performance wise on the field. When you do see the stats, we are sitting top of the league. However, what what will define success this year? It, it is hard because if you cast your mind back to the start of the season, no one would have had us in this position sort of coming into February. So we look at it now and think, okay, we have to go win the title. And almost, some fans will almost use it to stick to beating. If we don't win the title, they'll say, oh, we bottled it, this and that. Can completely forget into the situation we were in the start of the season. I just want to look back, whatever happens performance-wise and results-wise this season, just someone who's close to the club and obviously knows Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the job he's doing Forget on the pitch, but the job he's doing off the pitch, because we've had fantastic managers here in the past. In, look, David Moyes a good manager. We've had Louis van Gaal, yeah. one of the best managers in the world. Same with Jose Mourinho. And all three ultimately failed. And whatever happens with Solskjaer will happen. We'll, obviously, time will tell. But you can tell there is a progression and there is a positive vibe around the club at the moment, which, unfortunately, the other managers couldn't bring.
2: Yeah. I think what Ollie's done is brought in people around him who know the club. Mickey Feely, Michael Carrick, Fletcher's just come in now. Um, Kieran McKenna's there, who's been at the club for a long time. Um, but what I do think he's done is brought togetherness. He's got rid of players that um, who don't suit the way Ollie wants to play. And he's brought young players in, like Daniel James, uh, Aaron wan Bisaka, Harry Maguire, um Hungry players. Tell us he wants to come to the club. He, he, he wants to come to the club. Um, Donny van de Beek come in. Yes, he's not had as many games as what probably he would like to. But, you know, he's still a young player. Great potential. And I think what all he's done, is brought in players that want to play for the badge rather than just come for the money. And he's also got rid of players that needed to get rid of. And I'm sure if he can get rid of players this 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 transfer window now that we're in, then I think he would do. But I think he's just brought a belief and a way that Manchester United fans like the way he's playing. He's brought Cavani in, who is, you know, that was question marks over him because of his age. But when you look at him, his desire, his, his will to win, Ollie can pick a player that, well, put it this way, the players all he's brought in, he's not brought in a bad player that's not made the team better. Mm. And I think that's great credit to him. And he's got rid of players that needed needs to get rid of. So I think he's done a great job. He's brought... He's brought belief back to the club now um, that we can go on and win things. Yeah, we had a tough start to the beginning of the season. Of course we did. But, you know, if you look back to the end of last season, how that went, you know, he was playing near to the same team week in, week out. We only had a short break, a couple of weeks off. A couple of people have got coronavirus, their time off, they had to stay away. So it was a it was a one of the best starts. But what he has got now is momentum. And he's got a team now that I think can can really, really push for, for the Premier League. It's all about belief now and it's all about your big players turning up. You know, the likes of Pogba, Bruno, Martial, Cavani, Rashford. They're the players that have got to turn up. Two or, two or three of those players have to turn up every week. Mm. And we're seeing it.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. And we've seen the quality of the squad improve over Solskjaer's tenure. And one of the points I just want to touch on before we move on to the, the next question is, you know, if you just look at what Solskjaer did in his first month in charge, when he was a caretaker, Maroon Fellaini straight out the door, those who weren't yeah. the Manchester United players that we all know, that what that mould of what a Manchester United player should be. When you think of a Manchester United field, midfielder, with all due respect to Myron Fellaini, I actually thought he was useful for United, scored some important goals in big games, but he wasn't a Brian Robson or Paul Scholes or Roy Keane. He wasn't in that mould, and Oli showed him the door, and he's brought in players who are that what you do consider Manchester United players. David, a bit of a unique question for you. You're obviously a, a defender... Um, by trade, when you played the game, you played with some of the best footballers that the world has seen. And we obviously know you work for Manchester United. So, without asking you a too awkward a question, if you had to choose a central defensive partnership, so it's Prime David May, who's next to you out of Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelöf, or Eric baye
2: Um, I think they all bring three. They all bring different qualities. Eric's got electrifying pace. I think he's, the last five or six games he's played, he's been outstanding. I know we rested him for the, the uh, Liverpool game away. He might have in the FA Cup as well. But um, Eric's come in and done phenomenal. He really has. particularly after his injuries as well. You know, he has had a few injuries. Um, at times, he's a little bit rash. And I sometimes wince at some of the challenges. But that's just Eric. That's exactly what you want to see from centre-half. Aggression. Um so I, I do like I do like Eric I do like the calmness of um Harry Maguire I think Victor's done ever so well when he's when, when he's come back and played I thought he was outstanding against Liverpool on the weekend who would I like to play with probably Eric
0: it would be exciting with Eric yeah. there would be plenty of drama
2: yeah <laughs> absolutely back in the day way anyway, we'd be able to smash a few yeah
0: yeah, no, very good to see. And now, just to wrap up the podcast, obviously, the very good win against Fulham, but we did skip over the Fulham game a little bit because there is quite a tasty game on the weekend. Obviously, league, the league is... Um, I don't know when our next league game is. Is it Sheffield United midweek next week? But there is obviously the FA Cup match against Liverpool at Old Trafford. Now, there was a draw against them last week in the league, but... I think the FA Cup a one-off game, a knockout game. There's no replay. It is obviously going to take off, take on a different sort of feel. I assume there might be one or two sort of rotations, etc., by Klopp as well. He'll be interested in how both managers do approach it. I assume we'll sort of maybe get a clearer picture after Solskjaer's press conference. But speaking about Liverpool and the FA Cup, someone who knows about what it's like to beat Liverpool in an FA Cup final, no better than David May, who was on the pitch for, obviously, the famous Eric Cantona goal. I just want to go back and just your little thoughts about sort of what it, your thoughts on that day because the FA Cup people say it has lost its magic and to an extent I think it obviously has a little bit but back then in 1996 what a day it was that you see Liverpool in the white suits yeah. you see a late winner by Eric Cantona just go back and just give us a little bit of a sort of a taste of what it was like that day.
2: Well we just won the league at Middlesbrough uh, so it was on a high Um and- I think any any young kid growing up, you know, you you guys yourselves, um, any cup final you play in is, is something special. But to play in the FA Cup final, you know, it's the oldest club competition in the world, um, and it's uh, particularly against your arch rivals. You know, you don't need to get up for that game because it is Liverpool. Mm. But when the when they actually came out in the white suits, the cream suits. Not that you need any more motivation, but that just gave that little bit more spice to it. And obviously, the, the allegedly Spice Boys were there. And was that actually discussed just in a great the bedroom?
0: Like, was the suits actually discussed, or was it just a feeling everyone just had inside?
2: Uh, maybe not discussed, but we certainly took the piss out of them, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, just to, yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot to finish the podcast, but just one last question. Obviously, with the FA Cups so that are. Vibe and obviously what a moment that was. Can only dream what that would have felt like being on the field beating Liverpool in an FA Cup final. But obviously another FA Cup final, just as important if not more. You're obviously in the 1999 FA Cup final against Newcastle, which was obviously an important part of the treble. So yeah. I don't want you to pick and choose, but we will put you on the spot and please pick which one was sort of you look back more fondly at the Liverpool one or the treble winning one.
2: Uh. Probably, probably the Liverpool one. Mm. Um, obviously, I know the Newcastle one was uh, iconic, helping United to win the treble. But I think always your first medal, your first cup final, so was the most memorable. Um, as I say, we won the league that year. That's my first league trophy, and then I've always, always what I'd ever, all I've ever what to do was play in an FA Cup final. And to walk up that slope at Wembley Stadium is the best best feeling ever. To get to the top of it and it, to hear the crowd is sensational. It really is. And yeah. obviously to, to, to score late as well. You know, if we'd have scored early on in the game and we won 1-0, maybe they'd just petered out. But the fact that we scored so late on and Eric scores a wonderful goal, just yeah. finished it off. What yeah. a great week.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Fingers crossed we can get another big moment like that. Obviously, Solskjaer has scored a late winner, obviously, that season against Liverpool in the FA Cup, that treble winning. So, fingers crossed, maybe it's Cavani this time. But um, just on that, obviously, back to the league, just to wrap up the podcast, quick 10-second answer, gut feeling, where are we finishing this season?
2: I think we'll be there or thereabouts. I really do. And I think if we can get through the next four or five games, all winnable games, Um then I think we've got a great chance. Just It's all about momentum. Build up that momentum, going into the games. And the games around us, the teams around us, like Leicester, Man City, um, Arsenal, we should beat them. You've got to beat the teams around you. They're massive games. And if you can do that, then we've got a great chance. I know that one, 10 seconds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll forgive it this time, David, but in all honesty, thank you for coming on and joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I think it's also an important opportunity to recognise you you were a good footballer. You really were. And people see you now, obviously doing what you do on MU TV, but you were part of one of in my opinion, the best team that football's ever seen. I know people talk about the peak Pep Guardiola Barcelona days, but that 99 treble side was something special. So something to recognise there. And of course, to all our listeners out there, um, you know, give David May a follow. Stay in tune with the official United po- podcast because they have some. Cr- every podcast is cracking; it really is. And make sure you obviously give us a like and share, share this podcast because this is a good podcast. We should we talk positive here, and we want to spread the good news about what Manchester United and all he's doing.
2: Absolutely, share the love, not the hate.
0: Definitely. And another, just a big thank you on behalf of the supporters club um, here in Sydney. It feels like yesterday for us, uh, when obviously David was here in Sydney, um, obviously in a very different world. Um, fingers crossed within two years, the world re- does resort, um, resort back to some type of normality. And you can obviously make the trip back, David, because a lot of our members in the supporters club, that night at the pub, to be able to sit down with a treble winner and a gentleman just as yourself, just have a few beers, um, look, two years later, no people still talk about it as an absolute highlight of their sort of supporting time at united
2: great stuff keep supporting the rats guys ah,
0: beautiful and nice. on that note um, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app and on all the social medias at utd pubcast and we'll be back on monday larry and i hopefully discussing knocking the scousers out of the fa cup so until then hope everyone has a good weekend a big thank you to david and speak to you then cheers